May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be ex acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. <clears throat> you may have heard what happened in Brooklyn this week at a gas station. A group of people were filling up their car while listening to Beyonce's Renaissance album. The man pumping the gas, O'Shea Sibley, began voguing while waiting. Voguing is a stylized type of dance that incorporates model-like walks and poses and dramatic dance moves. It originated in Harlem in the 60s by the Black and Latino LGBTQ community. O'Shea was a professional dancer, and I'm sure he was dancing a beautiful vogue when a group of young men came up and reportedly hurled homophobic slur and racist slurs and confronted O'Shea telling him to stop dancing in that offensive manner. The two groups had a verbal altercation, and as they were then dispersing, one of the young men came up and stabbed O'Shea in the chest. He died that evening. I read about this event on the news and was deeply saddened, all of it. The homophobia and racism, O'Shea's senseless death, and then learning that it was an 18-year-old who committed the murder. Surely God wept. Then, on Friday, I was on a Zoom call with some of my board members from my other job at the National HIV AIDS Housing Coalition. And one of my board members, Charles, is also a minister, and he showed up wearing his collar, which is pretty unusual for Charles. Charles is the CEO of Housing Works the largest provider of housing for people living with HIV in New York City. And I asked him why he was wearing his collar. And he said, well, did you hear about the man who was stabbed at the gas station while voguing? And I said, yes. He said, well, he was one of our residents and we are organizing a Vogue dance party tonight at the gas station where he was killed. So this past Friday night, over a thousand people showed up to that gas station and the surrounding streets, carrying flowers, so many flowers Charles had never seen before at a memorial, and dancing and voguing and there were words of remembrance and calls of courage shouted from a megaphone on the back of a truck and video clips of people voguing while chanting, O'Shea, O'Shea, 
O'Shea. The mobile gas station was transformed from a place of death to a place of resilience and joy, from a place of fear and hate to a place of hope and love and community. A transfiguration occurred on Friday night. And today, we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord. When Jesus's clothes and face and aura transfigured before Peter, James, and John, on this day, our collect asked us to behold the king in his beauty. And truthfully, I don't usually feel moved by the story of this transfiguration. Sure, it seems amazing if you had been there, but I was not. But it also seems a little bizarre. Maybe it's just me. But I do know that most of us are craving transfigurations in our own lives and in the world around us, like the transfiguration that occurred Friday night in Brooklyn. The Greek for transfiguration is metamorpho, like metamorphosis. It's a change that is exterior and also interior. We hunger for these dazzling and transformative experiences, yes? I mean, look at the thousands of Americans spending wild amounts of money this summer for transcendent concerts to see Taylor Swift or Beyonce, where both artists literally transfigure themselves time after time into something dazzling and majestic, all while singing or dancing and playing instruments. Oprah called Beyonce an incarnation. I'm going to see Beyonce tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I got the ticket at cost value. <laughs> we too sign up for marathons or triathlons, hoping our bodies might be transformed, but more importantly, that our inner strength and perseverance might change, and we might find community along the way. As kids or our kids play with Pokemon and Transformers and Barbies, all with the ability to transform, to transfigure into something else. We join new social clubs, bridge poker groups with the hope to have fun but also the hope of who we might be after we've been in that group for a while. So it's fitting that God would take to a mountain yet again, God seems to love coming to mountains, to display this type of resplendent majesty and transfiguration for Peter, James, and John to see. It was yet another way for God to show God's glory, to reveal the divine dimension 
of who Jesus was. Not just Jesus's humanity, but his divinity. God knows that we are looking for evidence, that we are looking for experiences to be awed and wowed, that we need our realities to be transformed, to wake us up. And the thing about transcendent experiences is that we love and need to tell people about them. I mean, how many marathons do we hear about? Does a marathon happen if you don't hear about it? <laughs> we tell people about the amazing trips that we go on, the meal that we had, the concert we went to, the spiritual retreat and what hit us at our core. This is the process of bringing the mountaintop experience with us to keep it lasting and we share it with others. The author from 2 Peter recalls the transfiguration of Christ. And also, don't let the name fool you. It was not written by Simon Peter. <laughs> um, despite how the letter presents itself, scholars do not believe that this was written by Simon Peter, but this is a very normal tradition in uh, the New Testament that authors who align with, um, with certain disciples would carry on that tradition to write the letter. So someone very much in line with Simon Peter, who studied Simon Peter, wrote the second letter of Peter and wants to tell us about the transfiguration again carrying on that tradition of telling that transcendent moment so the author writes you will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts how are we attentive to the transfiguration, to the majesty of God in our lives? How, what do we notice as a transfiguration among us? Are we brave enough to call, the, call overpowering experiences what they are, transcendent? When something amazing and miraculous happens, when we encounter someone or a moment that touches us deeply, do we call it what it is? Are we brave enough to give God the glory for God showing up? And finally, and most importantly, how are we helping to transfigure the world around us to be more like Christ? Are we people who would show up at a gas station on a Friday night to transform a place of death into life? What dazzling example of God's love are you embodying in the world? You and I may not be Beyonce, but we are indeed divine. May we be inspired by the transfiguration of our Lord to transform our world into a more beautiful place, into a more beautiful way of being, 
seeing God for who God is, that God is around us all the time. Thanks be to God.